Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk and daily faith with Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. Bethel Church. Uh, good. Wow, that was really good. You guys practiced that, eh? That was well done. Well done. Well, we're going to we're gonna get into I, I feel like I missed half my role because uh, Pastor Charlie took over Welcome Prayer, you know? So anyways, that's just my thoughts. Um, I like Welcome Prayer. Um, so we're going we're gonna to get into it. Um, one of the things that I think was really uh, great again about what we were talking about this morning um, as we were praying um, was again that uh, you know that there's healing and there's new steps um, and there are opportunities that God creates and uh, you know when we worship as much as the teams at the front here I like to think that they're behind us and I just want to remind you guys yeah that you have you have backup um, wherever you're at. You have backup. And uh, today, we're going we're gonna to really jump into it, and we'll see what happens. Um, I hope you don't throw things at me. Um, a, a number, uh, about a month and a half ago, I asked the question, what is your role? If you weren't here, oh, good. Um, it's pretty much that. What is your role? And, uh, and today... Um, I want to ask you, how's that going? I'm, I'm following up. How's your role going? See, living your role means being yourself. And, uh, and, uh, and so, sorry, people were making faces in the audience. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't distract me. Um, anyway, so yeah, today, uh, how's it going being yourself? Today we're talking about engaging others. And one of my um, part of my personality, if you haven't uh, fully met me yet or haven't had an opportunity to hang out, one of the things that I love to do are just things that I think are hilarious. Often I have my own internal humor and narrative going on, um, and, uh, and so I often like to do things that are hilarious and funny to me, even if it's probably not to you. And, uh, and, but there's some rules to that. See, part of it is that I don't like playing pranks, so uh, Pastor Carlo has abstained uh, from that with me. Um, but one of my favorite places to have fun is grocery stores. They're often really crowded, but at night they're not. And so you're really tired. You go in. You don't really know. Uh, you're trying to get what you're looking for. But I like to have fun, amuse myself, get energized, right? Even today, maybe you'll have, you have to make yourself have fun to stay awake. Um, and, uh, and the reason I like having fun at grocery stores is because everybody's a name tag. Uh, obviously, we have name tags today. That was not planned, right? The Lord. And, um, and the reason I like name tags is because... Uh, I'll often, uh, even if I know where I'm going, I'll ask for help just to stay engaged with, with the, uh, the employees. And one of, the, one of the ways I do that is I like to, you know, walk in, right? I'm getting, getting my stuff. I'm moving in. And then I catch somebody and I look at their name tag from afar because I have really good vision. And I'll see their name tag and I'll intentionally walk past them. And then I'll turn around and say, hey, John, do you know where the pickles are? 
And he's, they're, they're often really confused because they're like, whoa, you know my name? Oh, right, my name tag. And it's really, really fun for me. And then I'll go to the cashier line and uh, I'll pick up all my stuff, put it on. And if there's nobody behind me, I like to have uh, fun there as well. But the challenge with having a, an enjoyable conversation in that space, obviously, is that you don't have a lot of time, right? You have, well, you know, the time between the conveyor belt and paying. And, uh, but I do love, uh, and, and when a cashier asks you, how are you today? Because you can go way too deep for fun. You're like, hi, welcome to Sobeys, welcome. And I'm like, how are you today? I'm like, I'm fantastic. Let me tell you everything. I had, I got here on time, I drove, I, I missed somebody's car, and so it's great, but I honked at them just to remind them I'm still coming, and then I had to get here on time, and except somebody told me that I, uh, you know, I wasn't supposed to be here, and then like, I, I just tell them everything. And uh, I think it's really, really fun. Um, especially if you're really not doing well and you're like, I'm awful. And they're like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm like, let me tell you about it. And it gets really, really fun because you can go way too deep, too fast. I remember talking to this girl about tattoos and then she's like, so you must have tattoos. I'm like, no, I don't. And she was like, okay. And then I walked away. Often I find that I, I do this when I'm picking up my brother, Bryn. He's uh, the, why did I go like this? He's my height. Actually, he's taller than me. Uh, he works at Starbucks. Um, and so uh, when I walk in and pick him up, the, uh, the crew that's working there knows who I am because I'm just there to pick up Bryn. And uh, I like to have conversations with the barista. Fun fact, if you ever go into a Starbucks, it's part of their training that they talk to you and that they stay engaged with you. So go in, just have a conversation if you're lonely. And, uh, and like, I was talking to, I was talking to this, uh, this lady, or not a lady, but because I was older than her, but, uh, like, this, this girl, and, and uh, she was talking about um, the Dominican, and I went to the Dominican, and she was talking about coconuts, we were talking about coconut water and the different qualities, and we went into it, and we are like, say goodbye. And, uh, and so you don't have a lot of time um, being, uh, being a visitor, but I enjoy being a visitor. Being a visitor is fun, because every visitor can make an impression. See, being a visitor, but being a visitor is also strange. See, you could connect with somebody, and I believe, uh, and I, I probably bet in this room that we probably know more names than we know stories. We know probably more strangers than we know uh, friends, that perhaps we have this internal uh, mantra going on about stranger danger. And, uh, and so being a visitor can f- be fun, uh, especially if you watch YouTube, you see a lot of different scenarios going on, especially grocery stores like Mario Kart rides. But, but perhaps when you're meeting somebody new or you're a visitor, that uh, people are stranger danger. You have colleagues, you're like, I'm never talking to them. They're stranger danger. You have friends at school, people that you've recently met. Maybe you met me and you said, stranger danger. That maybe you, uh, you know, have met someone down the street or you see someone experiencing homelessness or there's a new member at church or family friend and you're like, so that's stranger danger. Because the reality is, is that being a visitor is strange. Uh, as an example, uh, I often love to take walks. Uh, it's my top quality uh, on my uh, Christian Mingle page. And, uh, and when we're, we're often, if you ever take walks like me and come join me down in Ottawa, but um, when I'm taking a walk, it's really awkward because if someone's on the other side of the street, well, they're too far to talk to, um, but you see them and you have to look where you're going, right? So, so I'm often taking my walk and then I see somebody 
and then I have to stay focused, look down, and then once they get towards me, I'm like all nervous, I'm like, stranger danger. Um, But then, uh, you know, they come by and you're like, here. Like, what was that all about? There's nothing to fear. But being being a stranger can have that effect being strange or some, experiencing something strange can be new and uncertain. Uh, it can bring fear or worry, perhaps conflict um, and heaviness for you. There's this, uh, but one of the things that I think all of us are familiar are movies, specifically old Disney movies. And there's one particular that I can think of, of this man who was pretty strange. His name was Tarzan. And uh, see, Tarzan, this, this character grew up around a family of gorillas uh, that immediately disliked him that immediately shunned him, pushed him aside, and was a visitor that nobody wanted there. He was this leper, like a Samaritan, like uh, you know, someone from a different background you don't associate with, or, or somebody with a different lifestyle or life choices, maybe a non-believer, and you don't connect with them. They're stranger danger. And maybe there's people that you personally count as strangers, Tarzan, among gorillas. Maybe that's what you feel when you're interacting with people. That people are strange and that creates dissonance between you. That creates this effect of fear, perhaps. And I, and I don't mean this in a mean way, but as a believer, you're important, but you're not that interesting. You're a stranger. See, conversations with Uh, My friends sometimes who are non-believers, I was connecting with a new friend that I haven't seen in a long, long time, and we were chatting on the phone once about um, love and sexuality among marriages, and she had this different perspective, and I had this different perspective that she had never heard of. She had never thought about uh, the idea that, um, that there could be effects for having sex before marriage and what that dynamics of relationship and commitment look like, and she found it so intriguing. She's like, Graham, I've never heard this view before. That's so strange. And so even for myself, I'm, I'm not really that interesting. And that kind of follows along in how presence evangelism really just doesn't work. See, you're not strange because you're a Christian. You're strange because you're a visitor. You're not strange because you're a Christian. Again, today we're talking about engaging with others and we're deep diving a little bit. But you're strange because you're a Christian. But you're also strange because you're a visitor. See, Jesus did the exact same thing. Jesus was a stranger who addressed important questions. He was one that engaged with people, none like him. He was told he was doing the wrong thing when he said, I'm in the right place. So Jesus was this stranger who addressed important questions. But how many of us perhaps are so used to holding questions more than we are asking questions? I know when I'm talking to uh, my own uh, leaders that I help uh, walk alongside, I often kind of remind them that part of maturity is learning to answer the questions that we ask. But often we can be so used to having a, a bunch of questions and holding on to so many things, and we've been holding on for so long. It's just a little thing, but it, it's strenuous, and it, and it builds up, and it gets frustrating, and, and we don't address those things. There's questions that we have. Maybe you have people in your life that is, has, hasn't addressed the questions that they are asking, haven't even asked it, and they're dealing with these anger issues with it. But Jesus was a stranger who addressed 
important questions. And today I want to look at this story in a little different light than usual, this story of how Jesus did this. How did Jesus address important questions as a stranger? Luke 10, 25 to 37. We're targeting targeting in on the expert of the law. So it says, one day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, well, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? And the man answered, well, you must love God with all of your heart and all your soul, all your strength and your mind, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Great answer. Right, Jesus told him, correct, you've won, bingo, do this and you will live. And the man wanted to justify his actions. See, we see him taking a different turn here. And he asked Jesus, but who is my neighbor? He's an expert of the law. Thanks, Mr. Obvious. Who is my neighbor? But here's what happens. See, he asks this question that's important. But then Jesus has to get into a story to communicate his answer. So I think there's something going on here. See, it says a Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho. And he was attacked by bandits. He was stripped of his clothes, beaten up, smacked up, hit down. He was left half dead beside the road. And by chance, a priest came along. This is pretty good news, right? He's going to come help him. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side. Never mind. And he passed him by. Oh, a temple assistant's going to walk over, right? He's going to help him. But he, he looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. And then a despised Samaritan came along. And when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. He went over to him. The Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandages. I've never had that remedy, but we should try it out one day. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. For if his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits, Jesus asked. And the man replied, well, the one who showed him mercy. And then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. See, rarely does Jesus answer questions without addressing a need. Rarely do we see it. See, he is interested in the matters of the heart. This expert of the law, he knows what to do, but he doesn't know how to do it. There are some things that have taken me years to learn. Maybe it's taken, there's been things that have taken you years to learn because you had the potential for it, but you didn't have the current capacity. Again, I don't think Jesus here is interested in answering all of our questions. I think he's interested in diagnosing a heart issue we didn't know that we had. Again, we're going to look at this story in a different way. Imagine you're the man on the road, this expert of the law. And you're laying on the road, maybe you're taking a nap, like the good Samaritan Jesus comes to you, and he whips out all of his band-aids and, and everything he's, 
he has on him and he begins extending energy to pick you up and, and, and move you around and you're just napping, you wake up and you realize you're on a donkey and you're going to an inn and you're like, oh, I think I'm dreaming. No, the Lord. And, uh, and so uh, you're bandaged up and you're like, Jesus, where are we going? I don't understand, I'm, I'm fine. And you arrive at the end, you're about to stand. Jesus doesn't answer your question right now because he's busy bandaging you, right? There's something wrong. And you just go along with it because it's the Lord. And so Jesus stops you as your hand is pulling on the door handle to leave the inn. You're not really interested in what's going on. You don't know what's happening. And you respond, Jesus, there's nothing wrong with me. I know what to do. And Jesus responds to you, you're laying. You were laying on the road. He picked you up. He brought you an inn. There's nothing wrong with you. I know what to do. And Jesus responds to you and he says, you think there's nothing wrong, but you don't see what I see. And then he continues as the man takes a breath and pays attention. See, Jesus continues. He says, I couldn't tell you what to do. I had to show you how. For if you don't know how to push past being a stranger and be a visitor in somebody else's life, if you don't know how to be real with them, you will only ever be an expert of the law. And you'll never actually be able to give the gifts that I gave you to learn and to share, in this case, mercy. See, Jesus was a stranger who addressed important questions, and I think today we have a heart issue that needs to be looked at, because we don't know how to be a visitor. And that stops us from showing mercy, maybe goodness, maybe truth when we engage with others. Whatever that is that that God has given you and, and equipped you to do and empower you to be yourself and live out your role. In this case, it was mercy. And so unless we get our heart working in these areas that Jesus diagnoses, unless we pull out the log from our own eye, we can't respectfully pull out the specs of others. And we'll always be an expert and never a visitor. We'll always stay away from people because we're afraid of things that we find strange. See, Jesus knew what the man needed. And as we buy into addressing our heart issue, we can be a visitor. Alongside being a visitor, what's the second step with that? What can we do? Well, first, be a visitor. Second, get real with what's important. See, being real pushes aside what's strange. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody and you don't know them, and then they mention something, and you're sporadic, you're excited, you're full of energy, you're a little butterfly talking to them, and you, at first, thought they were strange, and then you got real, and it pushed that fear away. See, Jesus needed to be real with what was important. He didn't have a lot of time. Why? Because he was a visitor, So how do we live this out? How do we get real with what's important? Well, first, I think we need to define the win of the conversation. I believe that the goal of any conversation is understanding. And part of our conversations with people, if you ever get into an argument and that's your goal, I don't think it's a healthy way to be genuine 
We often use the word apologetics to describe this. Apologetics comes from the Greek word apologia, means to just defend the faith and to communicate um, uh, conversation in a way that you have arguments to stand up against what someone else says. But the thing with apologetics is that apologetics is not a weapon and is not a tool. It is a testimony and an invitation. Giving people a story behind, beyond just the name for who Jesus genuinely is, giving them a story of who he is. I think this also means finding mutual ground. Whether you uh, have something at work or education, maybe you're in a program, you have past events of your life, or um, sports is a big one. I find I connect a lot with, again, I've talked about skateboarding a lot because it's something that has been with me for a long time. I remember having this conversation with, uh, with some students at a skate park. We were hanging out, and within, within an hour, we began, um, there was this kid talking about alcohol and how he wouldn't mind getting addicted to it. And then we started talking about alcoholism and addiction. And then we got in, and then he walked away from the conversation. His friends joined in. Then we started talking about spirituality and demonology. Then we got into his, what his mom does, and she's a death doula. And they were talking about um, and then we were talking about how, uh, how Christians don't hate gay people. And then we jumped into uh, how Christianity is different from every other religion. And then we were talking about how one girl's going to Italy for school. So she's trying to figure that out. And I think we were talking, you know, what, like an hour, maybe, maybe an hour and a half. Just hanging out. Just, just casual. Just casual chats, you know. <laughs> but we found common ground. And the win for that conversation was defined. It was that I needed to clarify for them something about Christianity they, didn't, they had no idea about. People don't understand Christianity at all. Most people I talk to have no idea. But they also have a background in, in something spiritual or Christian or Catholic, whatever it is. So you'd be surprised. Number two, we are more afraid of the unknown than we are not confident with what we do know. You hold a lot of value. You've got tools in your tool belt that I get jealous over, that I wish that I could do. The who you are, man, that's good. Who you are is good. And often we're more afraid of the unknown than we are not confident with what we do know. So be genuinely curious about what people ask because it might actually lead them to what they need. If you're in a conversation, you're afraid of messing up. That's okay. Take responsibility for it. Relearn what you need to know. Keep your need for Jesus centered and be human as you move forward. Sometimes we say the wrong thing in front of somebody and we don't know how to fix it. It's all good. Most people have no idea what Christianity is, so start fresh. Because sin is this disease we can't stop without Jesus or else the world would be perfect because we've already finished you know, coming up with the solution ourselves. Number three, um, Lee Strobel likes to, um, in a podcast I heard once, he likes to ask one question to people, and that is, if you had one question to ask God, what would that be um, and why? And the reason for this is because every story has a face attached to it, and that's where conversation begins in the emotions and the frustrations in the bare bones of our foundation. I believe that as people, I, I repeated to Chad often, that, that we are people of foundation, and we can't move past that. Number four, when you follow Jesus, you are going to miss out on a lot. 
but you will never lose. You're gonna miss out on quite a bit. There are things that look intriguing, exciting, fulfilling, energizing, beautiful, good. Some things are. But when you're a follower of Jesus, you're gonna miss out on a lot, but you're not gonna lose. I think that's more important. See, in Mark 8, 36, it says, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? I remember one of my friends, a lot of my friends slowly, slowly, slowly watching them walk away from faith. And they didn't proclaim that. They just did it. And so it, be, it, it creates this distance between us because I'm like, well, are you still a Christian? Or are you not? You act like this and that, and I can't tell the difference. And that was always the verse that came back up. What, what are you gaining? You're trying to miss out. You're not trying to miss out on anything, and you're losing your soul. You're forfeiting it. And so when you're with people, be relational, but be immovable. Be immovable. You will never lose. Jesus died for this forgiveness of our sins, healing the sick, and proclaim the kingdom. Be immovable. And lastly, I want you to remember that holiness is 3D. If you've ever gone to a movie, often uh, 3D is a more expensive uh, version of a movie. It helps you to see something from a new dimension. Three dimensions, fun fact, if you didn't know. And, um, and so you have this experience you've never had before. You leave, it's so exciting. Maybe it's IMAX too. Um, and so you have this incredible experience. And I think holiness is 3D. It can be this incredible experience, but I think we need distinction over division or distance. That when you uh, connect with people that you don't know or you connect with something unfamiliar, again, we don't change by looking in mirrors. We changing, change by encountering differences. And so when you're engaging with people and you feel like there's something about them that's going to creep into my life, sometimes that might actually just be a conflict of not being able to, not having wrestled out what holiness means. See, it can create division when we lose sight of the fact that God sees us the same way he sees everybody else. Holiness can create distance when we get afraid of associating ourselves with people not like us. Maybe we recognize that we're more of a follower than a leader in those certain situations, and those can be uncomfortable. I remember having uh, some friends, uh, both of them were Christian, were hanging out, and uh, we went skateboarding, and then they wanted to uh, jump, in, and, uh, jump onto a school, and they were, wanted to run around and play tag, and, uh, which also means touch and go. Fun fact, I learned that. And um, yeah, we, I, I, I just sat on the ground for like an hour waiting for them because there was this, this distance between us and the way that they understood what it meant um, to live out distinction. And lastly, yeah, holiness can create distinction. See, while division and distance is a dead-end road, being distinct, it means that in many ways, in many different situations, in many different ways, we are being formed because of God's reality changing our life and the world around us. We find our being in God's reality. And so there's a difference about holiness. See, it's 3D, but it's about distinction over division and distance. And so we got to get real with what's important. When I say get real with what's important, originally I was wrestling this out, trying to figure out another way to say this, but I think that it became the clearest. 
Get real with what's strange. Be genuine with what you encounter. It's not, it's not easy. As much as I find it easy to engage with skate parking, engage with certain conversations, there's times that more, more often than not, I have no idea what to say. And we just got to start somewhere. And often, um, you know, people are, we, we, we live in a world where people are so open to so many different kinds of conversations now. That's not a conflict. That's an open door. And so get real with what's important. First, have a heart of a visitor. Check that heart diagnosis. And two, let's get real with what's important. And this matters. Why? Because genuine encounters last longer than strange first impressions. Genuine encounters last longer than strange first impressions. I remember uh, chatting with people as I began Bible college, and um, um, many of them did not like me because they didn't understand me. Um, and it's typically because at first I'm typically quite quiet, and, and, and it's because I like enjoy being around other people. Uh, quality time is my highest love language. So if we've been hanging out, um, you know, that's my version of saying, I love you. And, uh, and I experience that back from you. And so genuine encounters last longer than first strange impressions. I remember, and I'll start to begin to close. I remember going to a conference once. It was a leadership conference. And, uh, and often during that time of life, this was before Bible college, often that time of life I would walk around, as maybe some of you have seen before, I'll walk around and I'll pray for people or I'll have a word for somebody, which just means that God uh, impressed upon my heart something uh, of encouragement to say to somebody else. And I was at this conference, and I was, I was standing in my seat, and everybody's praising, and everyone's engaged with the worship. And I'm like, God, what do you want to say? Who do you want to say it to? I'm in this massive stadium. I'm like, what do I, where do I go? Lead me. And I felt like God said, pray for the person right in front of you, which is awkward, because I'm like, oh, maybe I should have closed my eyes, because then that wouldn't have influenced me, and maybe God's not actually wanting me to go. It's a complicated process. We all know, we were all, you know, those of us that were at the, the listening to God seminars, like there is time that that requires. Anyways, so I was, I was praying, listening. I felt like God said go. So I kind of hopped over, sat, you know, kind of hopped over next to her, started talking with her a little quick. I was like, hello, my name's Graham. It's like he came with an R. And uh, um, I think the Lord wants to speak to you. And I think there's something that he wants to say. And don't worry about it. Um, I hope it's, you know, I hope that you, you, ref, you, you, I hope that you relate to it and let me know. And she's like, okay. And so I shared this word, don't remember what it is, step back. And then the worst happened. I felt like I missed something. See, when you, when you step out in faith to share a word with somebody and it, and you have to go back, you feel like you've already messed up. You're like, oh no, danger. Like this is stranger danger, right? Like I, the Lord doesn't speak through me. I'm doing something that's awkward. This is strange. I don't want to be here anymore. I'm going to fall over and let Jesus take care of me. And, uh, but there's no donkeys there, so I couldn't, or wine. And, um, and so you know what? I was like, you know what? I'm just going to share this word. I jump over. I'm like, hey, I didn't miss anything, but I just felt like I was supposed to say something else. Okay. So I walked back, and I immediately ran to the back of the room because I was so embarrassed. And I was like, I don't think anyone can see me here. It's so dark. And, uh, you know, so stood in the back corner. And um, at the same time, I felt like fireworks were going on. So I didn't know. 
This was November 2017. Fast forward to um, August 2018. So about nine months later, um, she didn't have a baby. So that word was not, you know, you're going to have a child. Um, but, uh, you know, she came up to me. I remember seeing this girl at, at this camp, and, uh, and I didn't recognize her. And I was like, I think I know her, but I have no idea where. And so we're, we're catching eyes for one another, and we're like, I think, I think we're going to have a conversation. Maybe she wants to talk to me, and maybe I want to talk to her now because she wants to talk to me. And I was so excited, and, like, this is going to be such a good day. And... Um, and then she comes up to me, and she's like, hey, I've been wanting to talk to you for a while. I'm like, I know, I could tell. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, but she comes up to me, right? And she comes up to me, and I'm like, she's like, hey, my name's Autumn, and you gave me a word back in that time. I'm like, oh, yeah, that strange moment right there. I remember that. And she's like, Graham, I, I, want, you to, I want you to know that that word has been with me for the last nine months of my life, and I've held on to it, and it's been what exactly has been happening Thank you. You're welcome. And I walked away. And it was a a very grateful moment for me, even though it was strange. See, at the beginning of this message, I mentioned this stranger named Tarzan. And through this movie, he meets some explorers that are human just like him. And he found it best to leave with his own kind, to move on from those that considered him strange. And while Tarzan was beginning to set sail, he discovered this plot against his family that would leave them without their life. And so with the help of his friends, people that were nervous, people that were afraid, they went, helped Tarzan, and he started going back to where his family is. See, some of us today, we have met people who have considered you strange, or that you look at them and say they're strange, because maybe they're not a Christian or maybe they're just different than you. So you decided to never go back. You decided to never return because they're strange. But then Kerchak, this leader of this guerrilla family, see, Tarzan finds him and he's bound by rope. He's accepted that this strange little human that came into his life as a baby, who's now this man, he's walked off and he lost his opportunity And out from nowhere, Tarzan returns in this haste. He takes off the ropes of this stepfather that never accepted him. And with compassion and awe, we are left with this last exchange of them where Kerchak remarks this. You came back? You didn't have to? I didn't ask you to. I didn't expect it to happen. You came back? And with a slight correction, Tarzan responds, no, I came home. See, genuine encounters last longer than strange first impressions. And part of our life is is following Jesus and engaging with others and bringing change to the world. See, when people come to Jesus, when they experience who he is, they don't just change, they come home. And so when we get real with what's important, genuinely move beyond being a stranger, a real impression is made. Jesus then just isn't just a name to somebody new, but his story gets told. So hey, today, one, I want to say thank you for your role, your role here, your role in my life.
today. We're going to pray as we close. Well, dear Jesus, we, we acknowledge that you give us a role. And Lord, we recognize right now that people are lost. People that we know. People we don't know. And God, you know what they need. God, help us to get real with what's important in that process. God, teach our hearts to be visitors, to have genuine, to have genuine encounters with people as your story gets told to them. Help us to engage with what we find strange. God, help us to be challenged, to be immovable. Because you bring us to the water well of, of living water. You bring us to the source. So God, help us to be immovable. Help us to be distinct. Help us to be merciful. And Lord, we pray today for all of those, Lord, that we are engaging with as a visitor, that those that we get real with, God, may you perform miracles in their life because your reality is transformative. And so we surrender everybody in this place. Amen. Thank you today. Thanks for checking out this week's message, Bethel Church Podcast. We hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you, and that you come back and check out next week's message as well. 